Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. Roses are red, violets are blue, and you bet she'll be talking farming with you. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, we should see some blue skies on this finally Friday. Come on in, everybody. Fabulous farm babe, Pam Youngke on the radio and happy to report that sunshine is in our forecast today and warmer temperatures on the way. We're not going to jumpstart things a lot today. Sunshine, no better than about 29 degrees. Tomorrow, we'll see sunshine in 38. Sunday, sunshine in 39. But believe it or not, by the time we get to middle of next week, we could have temperatures pushing near 50 degrees. I don't want to tell you all the stories. Stu Mucker, ag meteorologist, has details. He's on the way. Also joining me this morning, Charity Seebecker with a look at how folks in rural communities are trying to take care of their own mental health with very few resources. And Stephanie Hoff, also stepping in this morning. We're talking a little bit more about the money being spent through Wisconsin's Dairy Innovation Hub. When a company only does business in Wisconsin, that's Wisconsin Strong. Rural Mutual provides all lines of insurance, including commercial, farm, home, and auto. And your premiums stay right here to keep Wisconsin strong. Local agents, local underwriters, local claims adjusters. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Over 2,200 entries from across the United States and Wisconsin getting ready again to take center stage. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee here from the southern end of the world's longest barn. And what I'm talking about, the 2023 U.S. Championship Cheese Contest. It's headed back to Wisconsin this year. The Green Bay area going to be hosting the judges, the contestants, as well as a lot of sampling consumers. I talked about it with John Umhafer. He's the executive director of the Wisconsin Cheesemakers Association. That's the hosting group that's been enjoying hosting this event for quite a little while. Yeah, we've been doing this really since 1891. Uh, we've had an annual contest here at Wisconsin Cheesemakers, and in 1981, we decided to rename it. And because we had entries coming in from all over the country back in 81, we said, let's call this the United States Championship Cheese Contest. And so really, it, it's a long tradition going back even into the 1800s of, of the industry, judging and comparing each other's cheeses. And, and really, for us, it's a highlight of the year. You know, I am always intrigued. I mean, obviously... If you've lived in Wisconsin your whole life, you almost take for granted that America's Dairyland uh, consistency theme. But it really isn't something to be taken for granted. Uh, are, are other states ever interested in trying to pull this event away, John? Well, there are some state competitions, but they, they're pretty venerable, too. New York's had a long-standing competition, uh, but just statewide. Um, American Cheese Society, as you know, has a great competition that's a little more focused on the artisan-sized cheesemaker, and we've shared, uh, you know, judges with them and, and ideas, so a good partnership there. So I think this still remains the granddaddy, though. This is the oldest and the biggest, and uh, we're, we're proud to host it. What does that mean? for uh, Wisconsin street cred. I mean, like I said, we feel like we're the gorillas in the room, but we can't ignore that other states obviously have a presence in the cheese industry. How does this uh, help us, John, 
is it a help when it comes to marketing? Uh, uh, you know, the uh, persona, the, does it does it help or is it just another event? It's completely a part of that halo that you'll see uh, Dairy Farmers of America talk about. People definitely, and it's it's tracked in surveys, they still think, they still equate the word Wisconsin with cheese. And that's really important if they're in the grocery store. If they think one state is clearly best, how can that be a bad thing to have consumers feeling that way? And this, I think, is a part of that halo. We've got things like the Center for Dairy Research, which every other state wishes they had. We've got the biggest meetings in the industry. We've got master cheesemakers only in Wisconsin. We're the only state that licenses cheesemakers. And then you've got things like these contests. That, and altogether, it just screams, we are the cheese state. Now, let's talk a little bit about interest this year. Uh, again, I hate to kind of keep pointing back to the pandemic, but let's face it, uh, that disruption of not being able to move product very easily, even in the United States, uh, anxiety over, you know, staffing. How are you doing as far as the overall interest for the biennial show? Well, for this competition, we definitely had to, we're impacted. We did not hold the 2021 version. We, we hold this U.S. contest in odd number of years, uh, years, so we're back. And we had more entries coming in in 2019 than we're seeing now uh, this year, but it's very close. And so we, we feel like we're in a great recovery mode. It really had to do, we found, with labor. Um, there's definitely labor issues in the dairy industry, and we talked to manufacturers saying, we love the contest. We're going to enter the contest. But because it takes a lot of time and effort and we're really just struggling along, trying to keep the factory rolling at full strength, we're going to enter a little less. So we've recovered well. We're just about 5% behind what we had in 2019. But uh, it's significant. And we would hope to, uh, next time around, have more entries than ever. But we're, we're really pleased to be right up there close to what we had before all this disruption. Well, and people have to understand, this is a financial commitment as well as a time commitment. Uh, Just getting all those dairy parcels, be it uh, cheese, butter, or dry product, to Wisconsin, not necessarily something that you you don't just put a stamp on a wheel of cheese and let her go. (laughs) It's true. You know, there's a lot of commitment here, but what we love is on the other side, for that small entry fee, less than $100, someone can win accolades that could mean literally millions in, in public relations impact because all across the country, news stations and television and newspaper talk about who won the contest. So it's like a lottery ticket they buy to try to, to win the contest and really get their name out there. John Amhafer, along with us, Executive Director of the Wisconsin Cheesemakers Association, of course, the hosting group for the upcoming U.S. Championship Cheese Contest, and that is going to be in Green Bay this year, February 21st and 22nd, open to the general public at the Resch Expo Center, and then on the 23rd, the naming of the champions. Uh, let's talk a little bit. I always like to find out if there's a big category, I, I say a hot category, when it comes to the <laughs> type of cheese that's being entered. But lately, hot literally has been where a lot of entries have been uh, coming in. What are you seeing this year as far as varieties, types, categories, John? You're right. You know, you, you did hit on it. We can't make classes with pepper big enough, or we can't expand them far enough because we keep getting more and more pepper cheeses. And of course, now you're seeing if you've got a pepper and it and it's got more uh, heat than ever. You know, we're seeing a lot of ghost pepper cheese and Scotch bonnet, and and really every pepper is being dried in cheese. 
and, and the popularity never abates. Uh, smoked cheese is, is always on the rise. We still see goat and sheep rising in the contest. And the one that always uh, makes us smile is that the schmear cheeses, the, the stinky cheeses are, are really popular in the contest in just a massive category. And, and so you can, you can tell that they're taking off in the United States. Some of the biggest ones, though, some of the traditional ones, uh, cheddar is still strong. And we've got six classes by age. And those are always strong classes, too. So we've got it all. We've got 113 classes uh, where we put cheeses and butters and, and dry products. So it's, it's the granddaddy of events. I got to ask you, you talk about smeared cheeses. Is that something that's regional by representation? I mean, sometimes I, I look at Wisconsin's heritage and I listen to the things that you say. And I'm thinking to myself, that those smeared cheeses got to come from a, a limited geography. Or is everybody in on it? You know, some of the, those that have fared well are definitely Wisconsin, but even up in the Northeast, there's been some great ones made up in Vermont and New York. So maybe it is that sort of Germanic uh, pass across the top of the country that seems to me that where people like the old, the old world cheese. Now, I don't want to steal. Obviously, folks, this is all uh, the judging's done in the blind and and everything like that. But I got to ask you, John, I've been, I've been with you at uh, this particular competition and the world competition. It's funny, although this is a big, big competition, more than 2,200 different entries, 113 different classes, you guys are a tight-knit bunch. I've seen you when you go to some of the sampling tables. You guys still have a pretty good idea where some of these cheeses are coming from, don't you? <laughs> well, it is an industry that is finite, no doubt about it. And uh, some of the cheeses are pretty famous. Now, we, we don't want the judges to look at uh, most of the labels come in blind. Uh, some come in with, with identification. But, yeah, it's true. It's an industry where every, every company knows every company. And that's, that's part of the fun, honestly. Not only have we got the cheeses on the table as rivals, and they vie every year and they, and they uh, you know, backtalk each other. But also the people in the room, the helpers, are a lot of the cheesemakers. <laughs> They're behind the curtains betting on who's going to win. So it's a lot of fun. No shortage of judges this year? You and I had talked about you get some of these scotch bonnets, some of these ghost peppers. you get, you got to find somebody with a trained palate that's willing to serve. It's the hardest classes to fill because you can't eat too many of those before your tongue goes numb. So we definitely have a challenge there. That's where we put our young judges now. <laughs> And then for anybody that is uh, super conscientious about, hey, what happens to all this cheese, there will be a, a good chunk of sampling available on the 21st and 22nd. But ultimately, John, what happens with this cheese? Well, we are proud to say we give quite a bit to the uh, feeding programs up there in Green Bay, and we'll be doing that during the contest. So it, it goes right fresh to places that can uh, cut up that cheese and serve it to folks up in the area that need it. And, and then we also do sell it to some, some grocery store chains. So we are happy to say that none of the cheese uh, gets wasted. It, it's all getting out to people uh, either in need or, or through the grocery stores. And uh, it's great cheese. It's contest cheese. So we're happy to do that. And what about the champions? Do they go into an elite place or anything like that? They do. <laughs> in fact, we use those as a fundraiser for our organization and for the contests and for the scholarships we offer and the trainings we offer in industry. 
There's a big auction event at our event in April, right after the contest. We hold a big industry meeting in, in Madison this year. And that auction is, is one of the most fun nights of the year. And that's where the industry kind of flexes and says, I'm going to buy that cheddar. And another supplier will say, oh, no, no, I sold him equipment this year. I'm going to buy that cheddar. And it, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's a big fundraiser for the industry. I think fun is the under, underlying current to it all. John Omhafer along with us, Executive Director of the Wisconsin Cheesemakers Association. Again, folks, they are acting as host for the 2023 U.S. Championship Cheese Contest. Green Bay is the location this year, the Rush Expo Center, February 21st and 22nd, open to the general public. If you want to watch the championship announcement, they'll be broadcasting that live on Facebook. Just go to uschampioncheese.org and get ready to enjoy. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. I look at this dairy cow, and again, it's the animal that I love. The things that this dairy cow can do and the way that she can produce milk, to me there is no substitute for milk in the world. And to be able to keep cows and help cows produce that for people, to me, that's a privilege. I'm Dr. Bill Zimmer, founder of BioVet. Microbials and nutritional support, that's BioVet. Learn more at bio-vet.com. You're no stranger to hard work and eating right, but your abs are more like flabs. Carbon World Health offers MSculpt, an FDA-approved treatment for men who want to transform their physique. One session is equivalent to 20,000 crunches without the painful recovery. Melt fat, build and tone muscle, then start getting the results you're looking for. MSculpt at Carbon World Health. Learn more at CarbonWorldHealth.com. Create the floors you love this season with DIY and budget-friendly flooring from Wiseway. With Wiseway Flooring's direction, you'll only need to be moderately handy to accomplish brand new floors. I'm Mike Yenser at Wiseway Flooring, inviting you to visit our showroom in Watertown, Lake Mills, and Economwalk. See how our do-it-yourself products might be the right thing for you. Commercial or residential, the wise have it. Log on to INeedFlooringNow.com. The nightmare of working with some contractors is much like being on a bad date. They take forever to return your call. When they do show up, they leave your house a mess, and then they throw in weird surprises. Swipe left. Actuate Improvement is a full-service design and remodeling company who does return your calls, leaves your property clean, and never any awkward surprises. Swipe right, and let's get the conversation started with a complimentary estimate. ActuateLLC.com. Design. Create. Actuate. We survived rusty playgrounds, no helmets, and drinking from the hose. This is the Midwest Farm Report. Well, we also survived a pretty heavy bunch of snow that came through for at least some people yesterday. Let's talk about it. It's time for a Compure Financial Ag Weather Update. Stu Mucker, Ag Meteorologist, along with us. Uh, Buck went out yesterday and... Uh, Started to tackle it at first with a shovel. You know, it, it might have been a little deceptive, but ultimately had to turn to the snowblower. Anybody that was trying to move that stuff around yesterday, I bet you caught yourself taking a couple different breaks because it was heavy. Oh, uh, yeah. And the snow, the skid loader didn't much care for it either because it was so slippery and left a real mess. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
That was one of those. Uh, the heaviest snow. I know that's your question, Pam. It could very well be Madison, which officially says you had six inches. Uh, my reports here say four, almost five in the Fond du Lac and Eden area. And I've got this map that says Dodgeville had almost seven, 6.7 inches to Madison at just about six up to Portage at about 5.9. Sauk City a lot lighter, about four and a half and lighter as you had further off to the north, of course. So Boston and La Crosse kind of missed out on the fun yesterday, but there's been some new moisture. That's a key point in my book. We've needed the moisture. There's no doubt we haven't had a, a good snow cover that stuck around. Now we have some more cover, and it was good moisture, no doubt about that. I mean, liquid-wise, uh, six-tenths of an inch at Madison, uh, 27 hundredths of an inch at Fond du Lac that starts showing up. Uh, Racine, 94 hundredths of an inch. Just some good moisture here. The low-pressure system that brought it, well, it's pulling way off to the east off in the New England states. High pressure is trying to edge in out of the southwest. That's why we're drying out, and I expect we'll enjoy some sun today. A little warm front slips through here early tomorrow, but all it does is turn our winds to the southwest and allows for temps to moderate into the upper 30s, maybe a 40 for a high this weekend. With a lot of sunshine throughout, the clouds aren't going to suddenly return. We stay sunny and dry, not only today, but right through the weekend, right into next week. Uh, my crystal ball, as muddy as it is, shows toward Tuesday there could be a little rain chance trying to return, and that could stay as liquid precipitation even as we head on into the day Wednesday. I'll have forecast details right after this. At Compure Financial, we're defined by you, your hopes for the future as well as what you need today. As a local member-owned cooperative, you shape how we serve agriculture and rural communities. As a partner and part of your community, we're here for you with personalized service and expertise you can rely on. Contact your local Compere Financial team at 844-426-6733 or visit compere.com slash you for your lending and other financial needs. Compere Financial is an equal credit opportunity lender and provider. Copyright 2022. All rights reserved. Focus on your farm in 2023 with Focus on Energy. Focus on Energy can identify energy efficiency upgrades on your farm, helping you save money on your utility bills for years to come. Get started today by contacting your energy advisor. Call 800-762-7077 or visit focusonenergy.com slash agribusiness to learn more. That's focusonenergy.com slash agribusiness. Focus on Energy, helping farmers save since 2001. Well, all we have to do now, Stu, is kind of tie a knot and hang on. I mean, even if you're not impressed uh, or working to push snow around by, what, middle of next week, it's going to be nothing but a memory, isn't it? Yeah, if it lasts that long. I mean, temps into the upper 30s, maybe a 40 here this weekend. That's going to put a big hurt on what we have. Our Compure Financial Ag Weather Update is for a sunny Friday. A nice change after clouds yesterday with the sunshine. We'll see a lot of very upper 20s and low 30s, anywhere from 28 to 32, I'd expect, with a northwest wind at 5 to 15. High pressure slips by, a little warm front edges in. Clear overnight, we still drop into the mid-teens, but the winds become southwest at 5 to 10. Sunny on Saturday, upper 30s, southwest winds a little stronger. A breezy day, 5 to 15. They'll even gust near 30. Sunday, not so breezy, but sunny and nice close to 40 with the southwest wind at 5 to 15, low 40s Monday, Pam, and then that chance of a little rain for Tuesday. Well, I'll take the temperatures. I mean, this is going to, if we can keep doing this uh, through the winter, we're going to be doing all right. I mean, we can handle a day of that kind of disruptive snow, but boy, if we can get temperatures back above average, 
not too far after that. That's not bad. Yeah, keep thawing it off, I guess, whatever. It's all moisture, and that's the ticket. That's right. That's right. All right, buddy. Have a good weekend. Catch you Monday. You betcha. See ya. Stumach is our ag meteorologist with the weather details you're looking for, brought to you on this Friday morning, courtesy of our friends at Compure Financial. Don't forget, Compure Financial is your financial partner committed to agriculture and rural America. As always, you can find them at Compure.com. Stephanie Seebecker and, uh, shall I say, Stephanie Hoff and Charity Seebecker joining us in just a little bit with a couple more stories about Wisconsin agriculture. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Hey, Wisconsin farmers, you know that when it comes to corn success, it's yield first and everything else second. And in 2022 independent trials, Dairyland Seed brought the yield like no other all across the Badger State. We're talking 45 top five finishes, 24 top three finishes, and 12 first place finishes. So when you're making the critical decision on what to plant this year, look no further than the seed proven to outperform Dairyland Seed. Find the corn hybrids bringing the most yield in your area at DairylandSeed.com. The policy development process for the Wisconsin Farm Bureau benefits farmers because if you have an issue, you can bring that forward and it's a grassroots organization. You vote on it at your county, district, and then it eventually goes to the state level and policy could be developed on the issue that you have. WFBF.com Let's solve your issue. A voice for farmers, a vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Can you predict the future? I can't. That's why when I'm planting soybeans, I treat with Heads Up Seed Treatment. With more than 15 years of research, Heads Up offers proven protection against both white mold and sudden death syndrome. So no matter what the year throws at you, you've already taken that first step to be prepared. Don't let your beans suffer from disease when they're just starting to look their best. Tell your seed dealer you need Heads Up Seed Treatment. Learn more at headsupst.com. Everyone dreams of that one special day. I'm not talking about a wedding day, a push present, or a big anniversary. I'm talking about a special day made just for you. Maybe you paid off the mortgage, finished a marathon, left the dork who couldn't see you for the amazing person you are. It's different for everyone, but it's a day that needs celebrating with a custom piece to bring a Mona Lisa smile to your face. William Thomas Custom Jewelry, your inspiration, your custom jeweler. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. Affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control and priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana, in vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping, because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. This is Matt Gunderson, and this is Elmer, our canine cuddle ambassador, here to provide good-natured, loving, fuzzy support to further our level of personal care. 
Someday you might meet Elmer as we assist you with an individual life celebration. Let our family help your family. Visit GundersonFH.com. Over 100 years as your hometown life celebration center. Tom Spitz and David Fink of Settlers Bank. We make it easy to access the bankers you know. Bankers who listen to your goals. Then offer expert advice and solutions that simplify even the most complex financial matters. Virtually or in person, we're here when you need us. To learn more, stop by or visit SettlersWI.com. Settlers Bank. Timely decisions. People you know. Member FDIC Equal Housing Lender. They say yes to seven straight days. A traveling dress rehearsal for you to get comfortable in the seat and feel the power behind the smartest purchase you've ever made. The seven day, no questions asked return policy, if you need it, at Bergstrom Automotive. Join the Bergstrom Automotive family for the yes. Chris Collini with a dirty little secret. Growing up, we were encouraged to track mud in the house. After all, dirt has been our family business for generations. Today we rely on more than our boots to transport our nutrient-rich soils. We have bigger trucks and better equipment if you need it delivered. Or you can simply pick it up at our awesome dirt-filled processing plant. Take it from a worm. Trust the guys who know good dirt. Kalani Topsoil. Now that's good dirt. So we're just going to rip the Aaron Rodgers Band-Aid off. What are your thoughts about his darkness retreat? Funny, guys, when that went down the other day, I got, I got a text from a friend of mine in the league who, uh, who said, can they send him to, a, can they send him to a, you know, a dark place in a Turkish prison? Um, you know, that's, that, that, that's at the point I think a lot of people are at. I, I saw Terry Bradshaw ripped him overnight you know, at, at the Super Bowl and, and said, you know, uh, enough of this already. How, you know, and I think his quote was, Don't, doesn't everyone get tired of it or something like that? And, 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 and we do. And, and Aaron knows how to play this perfectly, guys, right? He hijacked the NFL draft in, in 2021 by, by getting the news out there. I mean, whether that was him or Schefter, you know, certainly together on some level, um, you know, that, that he wanted out of Green Bay. Guys, if you do the math from the four days where he went into darkness, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be Saturday night, Sunday. He's going to certainly has the potential to hijack the Super Bowl. He's hijacking Super Bowl week again. You know, a lot of, a lot of people, you know, at Radio Roll certainly are, are talking a lot more about Aaron Rodgers and his future than they are Eagles and Chiefs. And Aaron knows how to play this perfectly. You know, he and he and McAfee, um, you know, kind of choreograph, what, you know, the topics and, and, and how are they going to make news and how are they going to stay in the news and how are they going to stay relevant all week? And they usually come up with something pretty creative and clever. And, and that, and that's what obviously, you know, happened this week. And it's got people like us and across the state talking about it and, and really across the league guys. And I mean, I mean, let, let's be honest, Aaron's not going anywhere. He, he's got, you know, he's got almost $60 million sitting there on the table for him. If he comes back guys next year, um, you, you do the math on that, right? 17 games. He's going to make about three and a half million dollars every game that he plays. And that's if he suits up all 17. I mean, your, your average guy driving around right now, listening to this guy's, you know, has to make a hundred grand for the next 35 years to match what Aaron's going to make one Sunday afternoon against the lions. So Aaron's not going anywhere. Um, and, and number, you know, number one, cause of the financial reasons guys, and, and he's not going to let $60 million go. Number two, 
you know, he's not going to go into the Hall of Fame the same year Tom Brady is. He, he's not going to let his ego or his ego is not going to let him do something like that. What you know, what whatsoever, where he takes a back seat on Hall of Fame weekend to to the greatest quarterback who ever played. Um, so so that's not going to happen. So now we hit the point. Where is Aaron going to be next year? I talked to a lot of people who are at the Senior Bowl guys. The buzz around that place, uh, you know, last week was Brian Gutekunst has told a number of people in the league he is all in on Jordan Love next year. He's 100% committed to Jordan Love. It's why we've heard so many of these Rodgers trade rumors trickling out there and and, and, and leaking out um, of, of possible destinations. It's, it's Rodgers indicating on the McAfee show that, that, that he's not happy that – he hasn't been consulted on some of these things, which lets you know there's a lot of you know workings going on behind the scenes. So um, you know he's in this four-day darkness period, guys. We'll we'll see what happens when it comes out. But I, I I think you connect the dots, and common sense tells you he's obviously playing football uh, next year, and and I think it's looking more and more likely that it's not in Green Bay. Now, to your point with the Brian Gutekunst maybe talking to some people at the Senior Bowl, obviously this could be a smoke screen, but sometimes where there's smoke, there's fire. But Ben and I were, were kind of casually talking about this Aaron Rodgers conversation, and all of a sudden, uh, the last day or two, Green Bay was the heavy favorite to retain Aaron Rodgers. Now all of a sudden you have the Raiders up there. You have the Jets that have passed him in odds. So clearly someone thinks they know something in Vegas because these odds are changing. Yeah, you're you're exactly right, Nelly. And, and, and I'm always fascinated by those Vegas odds too because they, they've got moles all over the place. And usually when you follow Vegas and, and what they're you know, the numbers that they're putting on things, it, it usually winds up accurate. Now, it hasn't in the past couple of years with some of this Aaron Rodgers stuff. When he wanted out of Green Bay, you know, in the in the spring of 2021, there were a number of teams that jumped to the forefront there um, and, and, and were at least on a par or even, you know, had, had uh, greater odds of Rodgers going there. Uh, it was the same thing last offseason a couple different times where Green Bay at times I think was not the favorite to retain Aaron Rodgers, and, and that's the case now. I just and, and we've talked about this on you know on the show in the past, guys. I, I just think if you're Green Bay, you really can't wait any longer for a couple of reasons. You know, you, you've got to find out here in year four what you have in Jordan Love. You, you, you've got to pick up that fifth year option in all likelihood, and and decide then if if he's your guy of the future moving forward. I mean, he's 15 years younger than Aaron. It's it's time to figure out if he's your next. An industry that feeds the world is definitely an industry worth talking about. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Ah, should see some sunshine today. Not real warm. We'll touch out around 29, but from here on out, lots of improvement on the temperatures. 38, our expected high on Saturday, 39 on Sunday, and almost 50 degrees by the time we get towards Valentine's Day. Glad you're along with us. I'm Farm Director Pam Yankee. Here it is already the 10th day of February. On this day, back in 1853, the Appleton Crescent newspaper in Outagamie County became kind of one of the first newspapers in the state. It had a print shop in downtown Appleton on Soldier Square. Everybody cheered the first edition of the Appleton Crescent. And it's still around to this day. Don't forget, it started, though, back in 1853. On this day, back in 1964, Bob Dylan's album, The Times They Are a Changing, is released. On this day, back in 1962, 
Francis Gary Powers, a U.S. spy, was captured by the Soviet Union. Want to say happy birthday to actor Robert Wagner, 93 years old today, and happy anniversary to Weird Al Yankovic. He got married to his wife, Suzanne, on this date in 2001, and now you know. You know, I'm just like you, very happy that sunshine's back in our forecast today. But I'll tell you what, these uh, Wisconsin winters, they can not only be challenging for your body, they can be challenging for your mind. And if you're someone that's worried about your mental health in rural communities, well, let's just say the anxiety builds because there's not many resources out there. Charity Seebecker joins us this morning with a strategy that one counselor is putting into play, especially in rural Wisconsin. Mental health is becoming a more common topic of conversation. However, for rural communities, there is still a gap. I'm Charity Seebecker from the Midwest Farm Report. Alma Jurgensen is the Rural Mental Health Program Coordinator for the Lake Superior Community Health Center. She says providers for rural communities are low and that those that are there don't fully understand the unique aspects to living in rural places. There is a huge lack of providers across really the whole Midwest. And so farmers in these areas are kind of left left alone, left forgotten, and it's really hard for them to get access to care without having to drive to a major metro center. And then some of the providers who are available in these small communities don't have an understanding of farming. So when farmers do come to them, they don't understand the language, they don't understand the struggles, and they don't understand the unique stressors that this population is really facing. And there are unique aspects to living in rural places that are hard to understand and really hard to teach to mental health providers as they kind of come through and learn and develop, such as the lack of privacy. Like when you are living in a rural community, everyone knows you, everyone knows your family, everyone knows what your truck looks like, right? You pull up to that mental health clinic and if someone drives by, they're going to know that Mike was at the mental health clinic for two hours because they know his truck was there. And so there's a lack of privacy, there's high levels of stigma, and just not enough providers. What measures are you seeing farmers have to take to combat this issue? Um, I think often they're just not. They're just kind of keeping it to themselves and not reaching out, not getting the help they need. And that's perpetuated by stigma. That's perpetuated by the lack of access. And just it's harder overall. And some of them are turning to things like in Wisconsin, they have the voucher system. So they're able to get some mental health there. And, and that is good and wonderful. And Wisconsin is really lucky to have that. But not all of them are able to reach out. Not all of them are comfortable enough reaching out. So there's some, again, barriers to that. They have to drive a ways away or they have to use Zoom. And both of those things can really take away from the whole the whole concept and big picture of mental health. Doing Zoom is not always as personable as meeting one-on-one in person with a provider. And farmers don't have time to get off the farm and drive to a metro center to receive mental health health care. What are some of the key areas that you're seeing these farmers come in with, things that are really affecting their mental health, that they're coming to seek that help for? For women, it's a lot of relational and communication barriers. So they're wondering what, like, why their husband isn't 
talking to them, why their husband isn't sharing. Like, obviously, they're seeing the same stressors, but they are just feeling like the communication and the relationship building is there. For men, it's more of the stressors of keeping the farm together and keeping keeping the finances, making sure that they are not the generation that lets the farm go. Because these are usually very long, multi-generational farms, and no generation wants to be the one to see it go away. And especially now with the younger generation not really coming back to the farm at the same rate that they have been, that is becoming a higher level of stress. And that's kind of what I'm seeing more of the men bring up. So there's kind of some gender differences, but I do have the opportunity to work a lot with couples and to kind of figure out and work through owning a business together, running a farm together, and also running a family. And those the way that the three combine and really form this idea of the family farm and the family farm business causes a high level of stress. And we don't always know how to work through that. And I don't think that necessarily the older generations have been great role models for how to do that effectively and productively. Speaking of that generational aspect of it, that was Rural Mental Health Program Coordinator for the Lake Superior Community Health Center, Alma Jurgensen. To learn more about her work in mental health, go to lschc.org. From the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Charity Seebecker. I grew up around animals. When I went to help a neighbor milking cows, it's when I realized there was a whole other aspect of being a veterinarian. And the dairy cows, I just kind of fell in love with them as an animal, the neatest animal on earth, so to speak. I really want them to be the best functioning animal that they can be. I'm Dr. Bill Zimmer, founder of BioVet. Microbials and nutritional support, that's BioVet. Learn more at bio-vet.com. Hope to see you tomorrow at the Wisconsin Cattlemen's Winter Conference. Starts at 9 a.m. with registration at the Comfort Inn and Suites, and that is in DeForest. Tell you what, one person that we are very much looking forward to catching up with is Jerry Huth. The Huth Operation, Huth Pold Herefords, recognized this past week as one of the best environmental stewards in the United States. Huth Pold Herefords and SNH Livestock Enterprises out of Oakfield was one of seven regional winners for the Environmental Stewardship Award program presented through the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. I'm hoping to catch up with Jerry and his crew tomorrow at the Wisconsin Cattlemen's Conference in DeForest. Markets and overnight electronic trade for this finally Friday morning actually seem to be holding together pretty well. Currently, we've got December corn trading up a penny at 592. November soybeans, well, they're down a penny now, 1364. July wheat's up six and a half at 779. Dairy markets were pretty quiet yesterday in Chicago. Barrel and block cheese both unchanged. Double A butter gained a penny and a quarter to 240 and three quarters per pound. The fluid milk for March is up seven cents right now at $18. The April milk, that's currently trading 21 cents higher. At 18.50, a hundredweight. I mentioned that Jerry Huth and Huth Pold Herefords got a big award last week at the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. We also presented awards at the Wisconsin Corn Soy Expo. The Wisconsin Pork Association gave Wisconsin Ag Secretary Randy Romanski their Friend of the Industry Award to a large extent. They recognized Romanski for his efforts during the pandemic to try to help out with meat processing challenges. The Agri-Communicator Award, handed out by the Wisconsin Pork Association, went to Bernie O'Rourke. 
She is one of the super outstanding senior outreach specialists we've got with University Extension working a lot with youth and livestock. Silver Creek Farms was presented the Distinguished Service Award. Uh, the Burgett Farms started with pigs as a 20 South Ferro to finish operation in 1967, and they're still working today. The Distinguished Service Industry Award went to Dr. Tara Donovan, a veterinarian that is uh, a vice president of health management for the Hanner, Hanner Company, headquartered in Spring Green. Do a lot of work with our Wisconsin Pork Association. So those are a few of the other folks that were recognized during the Wisconsin Corn Soy Expo. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. The first generation of W. Davies really instilled that work-life balance is important. And if we concentrate on the five-day work week uh, and the, around the 40 hours a week, really provides that individual that work-life balance. We don't work overtime or uh, very few hours are overtime. We get them out so they can see their families every night, enjoy their time off outside of the workplace. Currently, W.E. Davies and Sons Remodeling is hiring for handy individuals that have a knowledgeable and great skill set in the remodeling or carpentry world. We're also hiring for lead carpenters who have a little bit more of extensive background in remodeling, uh, specifically residential remodeling. You can learn more about the positions, expectations, and benefits at wedaviesremodeling.com under the careers page or on indeed.com. You can look up W.E. Davies Remodeling. We have a freaking awesome team. <laughs> when it comes to custom wedding rings, get to know your Denny's Jeweler. Denny's Jewelers does offer affordable custom wedding bands. Whether it be gold, silver, diamonds, gemstones, platinum, you bring your wedding band idea and we'll point you in the right direction. We'll show you all the options. I am Sarah Denny Alexander. Come meet the entire Denny's family at Denny's Jewelers. Is fatigue and lack of libido keeping you on the injured reserve list? It could be symptoms of low testosterone. After the age of 30, men begin to notice this reduction in quality of life due to natural hormonal decline. But there is something you can do about it. Carbon World Health offers custom-designed hormone replacement treatment. They'll determine if you need testosterone replacement or growth hormone therapy. Don't let low T keep you on the bench. Learn more at CarbonWorldHealth.com. Here, money grows in rows. This is the Midwest Farm Report. Since it started in 2019, the Dairy Innovation Hub has been working on keeping Wisconsin's dairy industry alive and well. They do this by researching how to protect land and water, enriching human health, ensuring animal welfare, and growing farm communities. Today, we get an update on what the Dairy Innovation Hub is looking forward to in the new year. Chuck Nicholson is an associate professor at UW-Madison. He's funded through the Dairy Innovation Hub, and he started just over a year ago. His role with the Hub is to focus on dairy economic issues. One of the things I see as my role more broadly is to facilitate the incorporation of kind of the business uh, and economic perspective from my colleagues who work in other disciplines. Uh, so as one example, uh, we are trying to work across the three hub-funded campuses, Platteville, River Falls, and Madison, as part of the things we do with the hub. 
Uh, and so I have collaborations with people at Platteville looking at uh, farm cost production issues and understanding the data and the patterns there. Have collaborations uh, with folks at River Falls uh, trying to think about can we make a lactose free ice cream and have consumers accept it and have it be a, a reasonable thing that uh, generates additional sales uh, for dairy products in the state. So I'm viewing my role as kind of trying to be a facilitator, an integrator, a connector across both the campuses that are involved as well as across different of the sort of subject matter areas that the hub is focused on. Because when I think of the Dairy Hub, I quickly think of dairy products, animal welfare, um, on-farm practices. (laughs) But I like that economics focus that the, the hub also has. And why don't you dive into maybe some of those specific areas of research where you are looking at farm profitability or or dairy economics. I'm sure happy to do that. So one of the projects that we have that's a collaboration among all three campuses is to look at the patterns that we've seen in cost of production. And one of the amazing facts about that for the state of Wisconsin, when we look at the farm records that are available, is for any given year, you can have a spread of up to $15 cost per hundredweight difference in a, in a given year, and even when you look at that by farm size categories, which we tend to think of as kind of associated with cost of production, we still see a, a very big spread. And so trying to understand where are those big spreads coming from, what do they tell us about how farms might manage differently is one of the core things that we're trying to understand through that particular project. Uh, another project that had a completely different focus. Uh, one of the things that uh, we have talked about a lot in the state, and the state's trying to support, is increased dairy product exports. And in recent years in particular, uh, there have been a number of issues with logistics and supply chain constraints that have been important. So I have a a project funded by DATCAP and also a complementary project funded by the Hub that's involving a group of undergraduate students in assessing what are the real barriers to increasing our exports, especially the ones that focus on supply chain and logistics. And as part of that, we're doing a survey here that we'll launch shortly of all the state's dairy manufacturers to understand how important is dairy export markets to you? What are you currently doing? What do you see as the important constraints? What do you see as some of the solutions? And so as a part of kind of consolidating that information, what we're hoping is we can take the collective experience of the industry uh, we can leverage the power of these great undergraduate students we have here at UW-Madison, and we can actually provide some additional uh, food for thought about how we might go about increasing exports for the state. I like that example because, as you just pointed out, it kind of demonstrates how the Dairy Innovation Hub is utilizing education, the industry, and the state to make all this happen. Tell me more about those relationships. Do you have any other examples of how the Dairy Hub is working with the industry? I think we have 12 hub faculty hired at UW-Madison, and there's maybe about 10 uh, between Platteville and River Falls that have also been hired. And those folks obviously are engaging sort of in different ways depending on their areas of interest. Um, We were at uh, the Dairy Summit event up at River Falls in November. Uh, One of the places where there was a direct point of contact between somebody working with the hub and industry was in sort of these farmer-led watershed groups where they were trying to do science where the farms and the scientists from River Falls were involved in collecting information and trying to understand how to better manage particular land areas to improve environmental outcomes. So there are some collaborations uh, that look like that. Uh, We have close connections with folks in the Center for Dairy Research who work extensively with dairy companies uh, trying to think about product and packaging innovations. So there are a number of things where we're really trying to reach out and engage with folks in industry, draw upon their knowledge, 
see what questions they think are important, and then use the research and knowledge generation tools that we have to help out with that. What's next? What's new? What do you guys have in store for 2023? Well, one of the big things that's happening here at Madison is we are about to go into hiring our last four new faculty here. So we've had some really good discussions, uh, particularly from folks in the College of Ag and Life Sciences, to identify the priorities. That's been uh, complemented by uh, engagement process with external stakeholders, including the Hubs Advisory Council. And one of the things we're seeing is actually there's a fair amount of overlap in terms of the thinking about what issues kind of might be important. Roughly speaking, those would come down to we really need to continue to think about export markets, we need to think about uh, new product innovations, uh, and we need to continue to think about the interface between dairy and environment. Are you seeing the ripple effects yet of the work that the Dairy Hub is doing in the industry, whether it's an anecdotal response or, or a measurable difference that the Hub is making? So certainly on the anecdotal side, there's a lot of positive feedback uh, wherever we go talking to stakeholders. Uh, so that part is good. And I think that's kind of based on the really good initial start in terms of getting good people in place and having them start to engage with some important issues. Going forward, we're actually going to do a little bit more formalized evaluation effort of what the hub has accomplished to date and what they're likely to accomplish in the future. And I think that's going to be an important part of selling uh, what what we really have accomplished to the state stakeholders, and also it's going to allow us to sort of better think about how we can continue to have future impact. So I'm looking forward to that for 23. You came to Wisconsin from out of state. Is the hub like, do do we have a reputation in other areas of the U.S.? What are the people saying about the Dairy Innovation Hub? Yeah, so I came most uh, recently from Cornell University where I worked on some similar issues. Uh, And I think there's a growing awareness that the Hub is a very unique resource that really only exists in Wisconsin and is going to provide a lot of potential for synergies, especially for people like me who want to work across the processing side, the farm side, and try and actually solve practical problems. So uh, I'm not sure that if you go to every university or other state that they would say, oh, yeah, we totally get the hub and what they're doing. But even within the university and within the state, I was on a call yesterday with our state secretary of ag who was talking about the hub being an example for other organizational efforts that might be made, the way the hub is structured and the way it tries to facilitate collaborations. So I think within the state in particular, and kind of in a growing way outside, we're establishing a reputation. And I think one of the things that's a little bit hard about the question is there are so few states left that have much dairy research infrastructure that it's a relatively small number of places that would be saying, oh, we should think about doing something like the Hub. Again, that's Chuck Nicholson, an associate professor at UW-Madison in both the Animal and Dairy Sciences Department and the Department of Agricultural Economics. And he's also funded through the Dairy Innovation Hub. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff. That's Associate Professor Chuck Nicholson, who works out of both UW-Madison's Animal and Dairy Sciences Department and the Agricultural Economics Department. He's funded through the Dairy Innovation Hub. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff. This is the Midwest Farm Report.